Unlike most third-party FCPA cases where a third party may be enlisted to further a bribery scheme by funneling payments directly to a foreign official, the intermediary in the Tizers and Wood cases played an instrumental role in arranging, managing, and overseeing the bribery payments and overall scheme. The intermediary company truly operated as the glue that put together a large bribery operation from which it earned significant profits. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkoff. Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and we're here today to talk about the two recent FCPA settlements involving the UK reinsurance brokers who settled for FCPA violations in Ecuador. Welcome, everybody. Hope you're doing well. This is episode 300 for our podcast. Pretty amazing. Thank you for all your support. You all are terrific and appreciate it. Hope to continue and provide good content, more interviews, more interesting discussions. So let's talk about this recent DOJ case. No SEC settlement with this, but DOJ has had a slow year in FCPA enforcement. Everybody knows that. We may see a few more coming in the next few weeks before the end of the year, but It's been a strange year in the sense that the DOJ has been slow. SEC has been relatively stable, producing a fair number of resolutions. In its most recent announcement, DOJ announced the settlements with two UK-based reinsurance brokers, H.W. Wood, which I'll call Wood, and Ticers Insurance Brokers, Ticers, for their participation in a bribery scheme involving Seguros Sucre and Seguros Rocaforte two state-owned insurance companies in Ecuador. Wood and Tizers each entered into three-year deferred prosecution agreements with DOJ and agreed to the filing of a criminal information in the Southern District of Florida. As part of the settlements, Tizer agreed to pay a fine of $36 million and to forfeit $10.5 million, while Wood successfully argued that it was unable to pay the mandated fine of $22.5 million and to forfeit $2.3 million, Instead, DOJ imposed against Wood a fine of only 508000 According to DOJ, Tizers and Wood paid $2.8 million in bribes to two executives of Ecuadorian state-owned insurance companies Sucra and Rocaforte, as well as other companies' executives. Both bribery schemes were orchestrated to secure business, and to get these opportunities, Tizers and Wood relied on the assistance and coordination of a really important third-party intermediary. Tizers paid $20.3 million in commissions and Wood paid $7.9 in commissions as a way to make the illegal payments. Under the corporate enforcement policy, DOJ cited the following factors with regard to Tizers. Tizers fully cooperated with the government. Their timely remediation included placing employees on paid administrative leave, terminating engagement with the third-party intermediary company involved in the misconduct, comprehensive review and enhancement of its compliance program, additional resources with appropriate expertise, 
enhancements to the governance and oversight of its compliance program, and adding new resources and personnel. Tizers did not receive voluntary disclosure credit, and they agreed to continue to enhance its compliance program and to provide remediation reports over the three-year term of the DPA. Based on these factors, DOJ awarded a 25% discount from the bottom of the sentencing range, which came out to $36 million and forfeiture of $10.5 million. Given Tizer's compliance reporting commitment, DOJ agreed not to impose an independent compliance monitor. Wood also did not receive voluntary disclosure credit, but they did receive credit for cooperation with the government's investigation and timely remediation. They terminated the employees involved in the misconduct, enhanced its compliance program by creating new positions in the compliance team, implemented a process to ensure continuous monitoring and review of third-party relationships, and they updated and enhanced their policies and procedures, as well as expanding compliance training and communications programs. Now, remember that Wood also was able to meet the requirements for the inability to pay showing that DOJ granted and reduced their penalty to 508000 Now, going back, this actually was the culmination of a long ongoing investigation involving individual prosecutions and also a prior declination and disgorgement. On March 18, 2022, DOJ declined to prosecute Jardine Lloyd Thompson Group Holdings, JLT, another UK-based reinsurance broker for bribery payments to Ecuadorian government officials there to secure valuable insurance contracts with Sucra. And JLT agreed to disgorge $29 million as part of that resolution. Also, there was a sprawling investigation which focused on individual prosecutions, including the key foreign official, Juan Ribas Domenchik, the former chairman of Sucra and Roccoforte, who pled guilty in the Southern District of Florida on September 16, 2020, to a money laundering conspiracy for his role in this scheme. In addition to that, in 2022, Fernando Gomez, a financial advisor, pled guilty in the Eastern District of New York to two counts of conspiracy to commit money laundering. And then individuals who were from the third-party intermediary. First, Esteban Marilo Hidalgo, he was an agent of Tizers and Wood, and he pled guilty in Southern District of Florida on March 28, 2023, to four money laundering counts. Christian Patricio Pentato Garcia and Luis Lenin Maldondo Matute were each charged with seven criminal counts for their roles in the bribery and money laundering scheme. And there are two other officials from that third party intermediary. There were three individuals involved in the bribery scheme and were charged. And those two defendants are fugitives. Separately, in 2020, the former CEO of JLTs, going back to the declination, Colombian subsidiary and two intermediaries each pled guilty in the Southern District of Florida to one count of money laundering conspiracy. So you can see they built this case up going back to 2020 and step by step flipping people probably along the way and getting the cooperation of JLT in particular was helpful. So the culmination, I think, is the prosecution and resolution for Tizers and Wood. Let's look at the critical role, though, played by that third-party intermediary in the facts. 
Tizers in Wood participated in this corrupt scheme to bribe these Ecuadorian government officials for reinsurance contracts. So between 2013 and 2017, Tizers and Wood agreed to pay bribes totaling $2.8 million to the then-chairman Juan Ribas Domenchik, the chairman of two Ecuadorian state-owned insurance companies, Sucra and Rocaforte, and they paid three other European officials to secure these valuable contracts, Ecuadorian officials, not European. Tizers was acquired by AUB Group Limited in September 2022, and the specific bribery payments were paid to bank accounts in Florida, Panama, and Switzerland, and arranged through in-person meetings and email communications and text messages. Tizers paid $20.3 million and Wood paid $7.9 million in commissions and premiums, and then Tizers retained commissions equal to $10.5 million and Wood retained commissions of $2.3 million. Now, the balance of the commissions went to the third party, who in turn paid bribes to the foreign officials. At the center, as I mentioned, of the bribery schemes was this third-party intermediary, which was registered in Panama and Ecuador, operated in Miami, Florida, and they assisted and they were a broker for the reinsurance companies. So we had Merlo, who I mentioned, operated and controlled the company. Maldonado was the president of the intermediary, and Pintato was the general manager of the intermediary company. The way the reinsurance business assumes certain risks, all are a portion for insurance companies. Tizers, as a reinsurance broker, collects premium due from the insurance company to the reinsurance company and is typically paid for its services by retaining a portion of the premium as a commission. Wood retained the intermediary company as a producing agent in late 2013 and a placing broker in January 2014 to assist in securing reinsurance contracts with Ecuadorian government entities. The intermediary company introduced Tizers and Wood to Ribas, the chairman, and other officials soon after Ribas assumed the position as chairman. During the course of the scheme, Merlo and Ribas met in person in Miami to discuss Tizers and Wood's bribery payments. And in exchange for the bribery payments, Ribas directed two government officials responsible for Sucro and Roccoforte to direct business for the benefit of Tizers Wood and the intermediary company. Now, Maldonado engaged in text messages with employees at Tizers and Wood confirming such arrangements. In the messages, Maldonado referenced himself, Merlo, and Pintato as being part of a team with Ribas and the two other government officials who were paid bribes in exchange for business contracts awarded to Tizers and Woods. The three persons from the intermediary company that I've mentioned arranged and conducted meetings in Miami and elsewhere and coordinated bribes through text messages among the various parties. The intermediary company paid bribes by making payments to the bank accounts held in the Ecuadorian officials' names in Miami, Panama, and Switzerland. Sometimes in other persons' names, they would use a nominee account holder for the benefit of government officials. The bribery participants exchanged text messages on a range of subjects, they used coded language to refer to each other and to ensure that the parties evaded company compliance requirements for payments for travel by the Ecuadorian officials, shielding information from Sucra's auditors, and allocation of payments to ensure that the commissions were used to solve problems local 
in Ecuador. That was some of the language they used. The factual statement outlines the initial arrangements with the intermediary company and the importance of having a local partner as part of the effort to secure business with Sucra and Roccoforte. The intermediary company leveraged this requirement to secure an updated agreement to represent Tizers and Wood. After Rebus was named the new chairman of Sucra and Roccoforte, the intermediary company stated, it creates for the intermediary company Tizers and Wood a good opportunity to participate actively in the placement of reinsurance of public companies again. The intermediary company noted that Rebus maintains very good professional relationships and friendship with leading directors and partners of the intermediary company. And in December 2013, the intermediary company orchestrated the award of a Rocco Forte policy with Tizers and Wood as co-brokers. The intermediary company then demanded a higher portion of the commission than originally proposed by Wood in order to pay key Ecuadorian officials. And Tizer and Wood agreed to this increased cost as they needed to maintain good relations with the government officials and to secure future business. From that point going forward, the intermediary company set 25% as the portion allocated to pay local government officials. This arrangement set off an internal dispute among Tizer's employees that further confirmed the nature of the bribery scheme. Almost a year later, Tizers agreed to a 30-70% split with the intermediary company for certain Ecuadorian government insurance business where a broker may not be involved. Some of the bribery payments were disguised by the assistance of a financial advisor who provided fake investment contracts as a cover for bribery payments made to various bank accounts in Panama, Miami, and Switzerland for the benefit of Rebus and the other government officials. That individual ultimately pled guilty in federal court in the United States, and I'm sure is cooperating. Now, what are the lessons learned here? The Ticers and Wood FCPA settlements reflect something old and something new in the FCPA enforcement world. On the old side, and just to beat the dead horse, at the core of the FCPA violations was the critical role played by the intermediary company. Unlike most third-party FCPA cases where a third party may be enlisted to further a bribery scheme by funneling payments directly to a foreign official, the intermediary in the Tizers and Wood cases played an instrumental role in arranging, managing, and overseeing the bribery payments and overall scheme. The intermediary company truly operated as the glue that put together a large bribery operation from which it earned significant profits. In a further testament to what I would term the old side or common facts in an FCPA case, Tizers and Wood appear to have little to no meaningful financial controls or oversight with respect to allocations of significant percentages of commission payments to the intermediary company well beyond any commercially reasonable amount of compensation. On its face, the payment arrangements were serious red flags that were either ignored or unidentified by Tizers and Wood internal controls. On the relatively new side of the FCPA enforcement patterns, and I've sort of alluded to this already, the Tizers and Wood cases are interesting in that a large number of individuals were successfully prosecuted prior to the corporate resolutions with Tizers and Wood. DOJ has pushed companies to cooperate fully in order to identify individual actors who can then be prosecuted with the evidence supplied by the corporate actors. In the Tizers and Wood cases, however, the pattern is a little bit different, and it raises the specter that perhaps the individuals here assisted DOJ in then securing 
large settlements from the corporate actors. Also, we have to add to that the declination and cooperation provided by the JLT, a significant player in the reinsurance industry. On the other hand, the individuals may have been prosecuted with the full cooperation of the two companies, Tizers and Wood, and then resolve their own cases at the completion of the individual prosecutions. But from my vantage point, the timing of the corporate individual resolutions is certainly a unique pattern for DOJ to execute on and certainly raises the prospect that we may see other cases where individuals get prosecuted first and then you see a corporate resolution coming towards the end. So DOJ clearly here built up a reservoir of cooperators and information and intelligence that resulted in them being able to impose significant penalties against Tizers and Wood. Well, that's the latest case. We'll see if we get another one before the end of the year. This one was certainly interesting and one to look out for in the future in terms of patterns of prosecution. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next week with another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 